This is Word for the Week, exploring a balanced view of Scripture for the wholeness of life, for wisdom, understanding, and growth. Welcome everyone to Season 2, Episode 6 of Word for the Week. And this week we have an odd word, I think, but I'm sure you're going to explain it all. The word is speculate. Yes, so speculate about that. Uh, And just to make it a bigger mystery, we're going to use variations of the term as in speculation and speculative. Okay, so even more confusing. Why the word speculate today? Okay, it it all started with the sermon research for this week is uh, we're going to be going into a journey through the letters to Paul, Mm -hmm. uh, letters to Timothy from Paul. Uh, And it's really fascinating on how Paul's approach is to um, what he's doing and how he comments to, uh, to young Timothy. And it doesn't start with an instruction like you would expect, a positive thing. It starts with really a negative thing, a warning of uh, what not to do, or at least what not to allow in the churches. And that's the beginning of all these letters. Uh And I sense that warning has something to do with that word. With the word speculate, it certainly does. And what's even more intriguing is um, just how big an issue it still is today dealing with this word. But uh, we need to stay true to our format. We are word for the week, so mm-hmm. we need to define some words. Sure. So I'm going to ask you if you might uh, start us off on our... Okay, starting with speculate slash speculation. Form a theory or conjecture about a subject without firm evidence. Or the activity of guessing possible answers to a question without having enough information to be certain. Okay, there two related terms that Paul, or these is, that's the root of it, but they're two related terms that he implies in his letters to Timothy. Mm. So if you'd be so kind as to read those puppies. <laughs> okay, here we go. Speculative intellectualism. I did it. You did it. <laughs> to pursue an intellectual challenge with insufficient evidence or information and then present the conclusion as pure reason. Okay. Then speculative discussion to raise questions and controversies based on that speculative intellectualism. Okay, so we get get the idea of speculative intellectualism, sounding smart by speculating something mm-hmm. and then discussing stuff based on what you've speculated. Thought you knew. Right? So <laughs> I I thought we'd have, yeah, exactly. I thought we'd have a little fun with this. So rather than just to go into some type of a, a Bible thing immediately, set aside the Bible for a section a second and look at uh, maybe some modern implications or illustrations of of what this is. So when you read those definitions, what modern thing did you think of? Facebook. <laughs> Careful now, we'll get monitored. But uh, yeah. Well, okay. not really Facebook, but you know, the conspiracy theories that are everywhere, including in Facebook and other electronic media. I mean, it yeah. It's just... yeah, and I totally agree. And I think even Facebook has to agree with you considering the changes they made in policies. Right. And here's where we have a little bit of fun. I thought uh, at first I started out with something like six or seven of the top 
conspiracy theories every day because that's where we're going with this Uh, and just getting down to a few. But here are some of uh, what are in research popular ones of all time and uh, a little bit of a quote from the research on them. So, okay, here goes. Number one, the moon landing was faked. It was a $30 billion swindle by the government. Yep, that $30 million, that's how we're paying for our, um, you know, our uh, insurances and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, so. Number two, chemtrails. Condensation trails are full of other chemicals that scientists and government are seeding into the atmosphere, like biological warfare, population control. A 2016 study even debunked chemtrails scientifically, finding no evidence of unusual contrails or unexplained contamination in the environment. But true believers aren't swayed, as The Guardian reported in 2017. Okay. Number three, COVID 5G conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Electromagnetic frequencies from cell phone towers undermine the immune system, making people sick with COVID. Okay. And number three B, a related theory, another conspiracy theory claims that the COVID-19 vaccine contained tracking chips that, contain, that connect to 5G networks so that the government or possibly billionaire and vaccine <laughs> philanthropist <laughs> Bill Gates can um, survey, surveil everyone's yeah. movements. Mm-hmm. And number three C, another related theory is Bill Gates is also using the virus for population control. He that, doesn't like people. <laughs> Bill Gates and, and COVID, I'll tell you. Number four, the earth is actually flat. Mm. The Earth is a flat soundstage under a dome, like, remember the Truman Show? Although it can be easy to laugh off the flat Earth theory, there was accidentally debunked, it, which, which was accidentally debunked, in Behind the Curve. This kind of belief can, I'm just gonna say, oh my goodness, can be a harbinger of extreme science skepticism about issues with real-world implications like vaccines. Yeah, yeah. So Some pretty uh, wild ones out there. And like well, you said, this was... <laughs> This was only a few. Well, a final commentary I think that ties in is that ultimately uh, the result of conspiracy theories, they can be almost kind of fun in a way, but taken into the serious extremes, they can become quite a negative thing on society. Sure. And if they're so harmful, why does so many of us get so readily swept up in them. Yeah, and, and people certainly do. And yeah. uh, and that is a, a legitimate and very compelling question to the fact that there's legions mm-hmm. of sociologists out there who are, you know, dig into the issue of why is this, as a matter of fact, there's this wide uh, cornucopia of papers. Uh, you can look and find a, a, the theorizing why people get caught up in what we're talking about, speculative intellectualism, because Mm. really that's what conspiracy theories are. And of course, in some cases, um, well, in all cases, speculative discussion, that's kind of where the internet comes in. Mm. But just just before um, you read some other research, I was going to have you reading on why psychologists uh, what they, why they believe people do this. I just say it came from a number of sources, so we're not going to give credit to every quote, but know that there's quotes that are going along with this. It's not our idea. This is, this is the very words of those people who, um, okay. you know, research. Hopefully they're words I can read. <laughs> some, some big ones in there. Some reasons <laughs> shared by psychologists are they believe they benefit from the theory. 
they'll be kept physically or financially safe. For some people, it's a matter of pride, Manley says. There are certain people who, until the bitter end, will hold on to something that's not true because they don't want to believe they're wrong. That's, you know, just just kicking in, when I read that, when I was thinking of our our good friend and singer Derek in there, he was saying how he was, some lady had some conspiracy theory she was thinking, and he presented an opposition to it, and he said, she changed like this. It was just this animosity that came out is that, don't you dare question, uh-huh. you know. So, yeah. Um, oh. yeah, that's sad, really, you know. But that, that's <coughs> well, the whole psychology of it, yeah. yeah. Derek's listening. You're backed up by scientific <laughs> research, buddy. So. Okay. Another um, reason is they want to feel smart. You okay. have a sense that you're elevated above other people, that you know something more that they don't. Mm-hmm. A desire to understand in uncertain and confusing times, which they certainly are. The confirmation bias can also play a role in the development of conspiracy belief. People are naturally inclined to seek out information that confirms their existing beliefs. Yeah, just interject in this too. That's where the internet really comes in. because obviously- You believe something? You can find you, you a can whole have, bunch of other people. That right. <laughs> you can get your whatever it is affirmed because, yeah. um, of course, there's such a broad scope of data that's out there. So yeah. um, a confirmation bias is, is a big player in this for sure. So that's what that whole thing is. <clears throat> um, social reasons. Those who believe in the conspiracy feel that they are the heroes of the story, while those who are conspiring against them are the enemy. Of course, which is the big um, them and us thing them going us. us. Yeah. yeah. And there's always a bad outcome. Yeah. Now, I'd like to point this out. You're about to read something here, but hmm. this is something I found. I went through several papers dealing with conspiracy theories, uh, not looking not not looking for a confirmation bias or whatever, but just reading. And this is something I found is that every one of them had some version of what you're about to read. Okay. Do we have where this is from? Or uh, this particular this one, quote? no. Okay. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, okay. Just, just ask. Yep. Rather than helping people cope with their feelings of social alienation and political disenfranchisement, conspiracy beliefs seem to create a cycle of distrust that leads to even greater disempowerment. Believing in things that aren't true poses a number of dangers, which can have real effects that impact individual behavior and ultimately have a ripple effect on society as a whole. A resurgence in measles outbreaks in the, in the U.S. has been largely attributed to a refusal by some individuals to vaccinate, a refusal that stems largely from the um, conspir- con- yeah, say it. conspiratorial, conspiratorial belief that vaccines cause autism and other health ailments. Yeah. I'm just thinking I'm almost guilty as charged the kettle calling the pot black. I'm quoting scientific articles, but I'm not giving the bibliography for them. So that's a, I could be accused of speculating, but um, I suppose, the, yeah, I suppose that's psycho- psychological journals, I promise. But the bottom line where we're really going with the conspiracy theories is this, is that they, they, you start with a, a legitimate issue, a mm-hmm. legitimate concern in most cases, but then gravitate to a comfortable truth. 
Mm. Um, uh, especially for those who are invested. And by comfortable truth, I don't necessarily mean that, oh, I'm glad that's the way it is, but more that that's something I can grasp. Yeah. You know, that's something I can sink my Wrap teeth my into. my head around. Or, right, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, and what we're really doing then is this shift from truth as an absolute, like here's truth, whether I get it all or not, but here's truth, it's an absolute thing, to truth as a preference, Hmm. Uh, and that's a game changer when you move from truth as an absolute to truth as a preference. And and ultimately, that's what it comes down to. I mean, if you're only speculating, the human mind is bound to resort to what's more comfortable to grasp, or saying at mm-hmm. least for those minds involved. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's an, an innate part of speculation. You're going to go where your mind goes, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and that that can be all from. The way you were raised, your your environment, just uh, lots of things can, you know, yeah, come into play, play with that. Yeah, sure your can. Your peer group, just, yeah. start, you know. Your hopes and your fears, whatever. Yeah, but uh, yeah. it does set up this, uh, it, it's it's just inherently biased. When you speculate, that's what you're going to do. Is you're going yeah. to go where your mind goes. Yeah. So anyway, this is, we had a little bit of fun with... Um, uh, looking at conspiracy theories as part of speculative uh, intellectualism or to, to speculate and speculative discussion, which is basically that's a definition of, of places like Facebook and Internet places. Mm-hmm. So we looked at it in modern times and it all comes down, as we said, uh, from a truth moving from an absolute to a preference in this, but now we'll move back to ancient times. But before we do that, how about a break in some worship music highlighted from this? Okay, we're going to present the song, The Cross Was Meant For Me. Okay, and here we go. Oh, my God, you took the fall. 
move from current trends to ancient times. Okay. How does all this fit in with Paul and Timothy? Well, if we put it into the timeline, here is Paul after uh, the death of Christ, now at the end, some 30 years, some three decades after the death of Christ, he has this young, promising, somewhat seasoned preacher slash evangelist mm -hmm. by the name of Timothy. He's taken him under his wing. And here he is uh, writing these rather intriguing letters, well, at least an intriguing approach to how he is mentoring Timothy in these personal letters. Personal letters? Yeah, we don't tend to think of the scriptures as personal letters, yeah. but the letters of Paul are really divided generally in two um, categories. You have your official letters to the churches. And then you have your personal letters, or as they're called, pastoral letters. Okay. And Timothy and Titus are the uh, big recipients of these. But uh, uh, we're looking at uh, Timothy, really, in, a, in the upcoming series, anyway. And what's so intriguing about his letters, well, Timothy's letters? Uh, in Paul's instruction, I, I did uh, kind of let the cat out of the bag earlier. But uh, in this instructive, uh, what one would expect is to start off with the positive how-to to do the work that he's out to do, but instead right. it starts off with a warning of how don't, you know, <laughs> as in don't let this happen in the church. And mm. guess what the topic really was revolved around? My guess it's around speculative thinking. <laughs> well, it is. Now, I don't, as a matter of fact, Paul actually uses the term now that I think of it. it there's a Greek word that 
that means speculative thinking or discussion. And he actually uses that word. So cool. I, was, I was going to say he implied it, but no, he used the actual word. <laughs> so uh, this is what I'd like you to do. Is it, and once again, you're reading in English in a good translation. I believe this is English uh, standard translation. Um, but I want you to look for, uh, we talked about speculative um, thinking uh, down to now. See if you can find the markers in this section of Paul's letter. Okay. Like. First Timothy um, chapter 1, 3 through 7. Mm. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may ch charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations, rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, mm. desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they're saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Wow, this is whole seeing it in a whole new light, reading it. Uh, right, reading like that. Now, yeah. taking the, the modern definitions and psychological profiles, hmm. what do you see in this 2,000-year-old letter? Different doctrine implies somebody's come up with an entire different View, understanding yeah. than Paul. Right, right. Myths and endless genealogy sounds a bit like the making of conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. um, promote speculation and vain discussion sound a lot like the makings of what we covered so far. Right. Desires to teach them and being confident they understand things they really don't. Well, it sounds a lot like mm. psychology behind conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah. Ancient I, Greek Facebook, right? Yeah. So yeah, wow. it kind of makes me just think of that saying, what's old is new again. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> but what was the big conspiracy conspiracy theory that Paul, you know, was concerned about. Yeah, because he was saying, okay, right. we know today, but what was the one? Because yeah. I'm quite certain of this. Paul wasn't concerned with chemtrails. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, no, probably not. But he had some other things. And, of course, coming down through the Greek culture, and one of them that fit well in with uh, resonating with Greek mind was uh, what we call today and what they called in their own Gnosticism. Hmm. Um, and like we said, in fact, this is a mere three decades. Here's Christ who laid out uh, all this information and, and dying on the cross. And this heresy uh, pops up within three decades to kind of uh, twist the church. Mm -hmm. And it was called Christian Gnosticism. Uh, give us a rundown <clears throat> how this worked. Okay. Or works. <clears throat> As it works, right. Well, um, like most conspiracy theories, it started with the reality uh, of something that everybody has to face in, in the real world, mm -hmm. but we don't have quite enough information to properly deal with it. And it was obvious, I mean, back then as it is now, the, the material world, the material universe in which we live yeah. is, is deeply flawed. I mean, after all, you you have people doing Bad See things, things that don't make sense. And yeah, uh, well, they do things that really don't make sense in the way that it causes harm to others. That's not really logical and causes harm to themselves. Yeah. That's a flawed thing. Uh, there's all kinds of suffering from different, for some reason, from all kinds of areas. There's hardships. 
And so the Greeks are like us. They were asking, why? Why Why all this kind of tribulation going on? Well, it, it seems the concept of sin and evil were pretty solid in ancient Greek yeah, I, I, you don't think there's ever a time, I think, in humanity where we weren't very aware right. that, that, you know, there was more suffering and you're asking, why must it be this way? Right. But in Greek thinking, I think a lot like uh, actually Eastern thinking, um, where there is a yin, there's a yang, where there's, you know, there's this opposite. So it yeah. is just as real as there was a flawed or sinful universe, then there must be a realm and a being uh, who is divine, a sense of divine, that uh, there's purity there uh, in yeah. contrast, there's perfection in contrast to the earth. So they saw the divine and then they saw the sinful world both. Right, I see where you go. So there would be a real problem with seeing pure and divine. How could that create an evil world? I mean, it's like they wrote a book, How Why Do Bad Things Happen yeah. to Good People, right? <laughs> yeah, it, right. It, it was kind of the thing, like, how could this good God, uh, you know, create all this evilness going on? Mm. So they they didn't have all the information, so we find a move into speculation and how it works. And I've got to say, great imaginations in all of this. They, they saw matter as immortal or eternal because, well, as far as they know, it's always, always was it. there. Right. Divinity, inherently, the divine is always seen as immortal. And so it started with this perfect supreme being uh, who, who, who didn't bother with anything evil. So how does he make the connection? Well, there's a series of emanations from him, creations, if you will, of, of a realm and of beings, uh, aeons in there. And the, each emanation uh, becomes more distant from the perfect it's supreme Kind of like being. clones get kind yeah, of... Yeah, that's kind of like genetic <laughs> decay going on there. Yeah. Like a, a re re replicative decay, I think, is, uh, if, yeah. I, if I get the term down. But that was the idea. That was basically that you had a supreme being, and with each emanation, it became less and less perfect. Until a less and less like him, until it reached a point it wasn't just not like him; it was actually hostile to the to the original perfect God. And then that final emanation was bad enough to start working with evil matter, and then we end up with with the uh, material universe as, as we have it. As yeah. a matter of fact, rather than me explain a whole lot more. I thought this is great. I, I, some, I got a, a, an excerpt here dealing with Christian Gnosticism, uh, which is a, a pretty good explanation of how it worked. The early Christian Gnostics like Valentin, Valentinus? Tinus? Yeah, like, don't you Valentine send us. a Valentinus card to people during <laughs> February 14th? <clears throat> Taught that the Supreme Being, the Primal Father, the Monad, was the source of the Pleroma, the region of light constituting the fullness of the Godhead. There were 365 eons, aeons. Yeah, eons, but take your pick. All those different levels, right? Emanations. Emanations. Yeah. Among them was Jesus, who resides close to the Father, to the lowest emanation, Sophia. She'll yeah. hate to hear that. Yeah, right? I know. Our granddaughter. Our granddaughter. <laughs> Sophia, which was wisdom, whose fall resulted in the creation of the material world. Yeah, it's actually quite brilliant when you when you look at uh, how they set all this up. So there Wait, you go. Who comes up with the, 
the first person that comes up with, I'm going to think of this one. And I know it, it just can't happen overnight. No, it's, it's not in a bubble. As a matter of fact, uh, if we had time, we went into it. You could see how, as you look at earlier classic Greek theology, you can see all of that thinking playing into um, playing into this, especially um, some thoughts of Aristotle come to mind as I look at it. But somebody decides they've got to start giving names to all of these um, these uh, emanations, these these beings out there that are demi and quasi gods along the way. And of course, you can see what that would mean to humanity if this is your idea and you've you've kind of grasped the Christian concept. There is a one uh, perfect God. Then, how are you going to get to that God? Becomes this um, stepping up all these. Uh, yes, yeah, backtracking up the ladder is is like one emanation after another. The one that's furthest away to the one who's closest. That's and, kind of like um, uh, you know the Eastern. Um, they come back again. I can't. Yeah, enlightenment works a bit like that, but uh, Hinduism um, uh, and actually uh, reincarnation plays That's in what the, I was the kind trying of to thing. Think of, yeah. But in this, it wasn't just that you had to backtrack. This became a hugely complex genealogy, and not only that, it was all secret knowledge. You there was a kind, of, if you will, a password to get to each of these little uh -huh. semi gods up the the ladder, and huh. then there was a whole uh, secret knowledge of understanding the genealogy and the profile of each of these little gods up the way. So it was kind of like Pokemon, you know, collect <laughs> them all. But it took because it was secret knowledge. It took. Yeah. Um, "Quote unquote," an, an extremely unusual intellect to be able to uh, understand it. So this wasn't for the ordinary man. No ordinary man was going to get too far up this ladder. So wow, that sounds a lot like the mindset behind some of the concert conspiracy insiders. But yeah, I mean, they turn Christianity and knowing God into the exclusive domain of the so-called intellectual. Um, elite. Yeah, well, that that, that whole uh, profile that you did read earlier about uh, in conspiracy theorists that uh, one thing is I know something you don't. So there there was definitely that going. Yeah. But you can see why Paul was so worried because here is something that is God so loved the world right. that you know that it was open to all humanity. Now the very promises of God are being taken and 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 uh, put into this exclusive domain yeah, of just a few. And not only that, Christ's humility, and this idea of climbing this intellectual ladder, even if it was speculative, mm -hmm. the idea of climbing this intellectual ladder was a matter of pride. Well, my if you're on step two and I'm on step nine, I'm, I, you know, I'm well. a whole lot more proud uh, than you are. So, mm -hmm. um, and like we read earlier, uh, it, it was back then in the same way that the scientists have said now about uh, conspiracy theories, it always ends bad. Mm. You know, it always ends in a, in a bad way. Uh, what a backstory into the reality of Paul and Timothy's world. It was basically yeah. the same today. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, you, yeah it, it, you know, it, that's the thing about the more... I, I yeah. love this in scriptures. You read these stories. 
this stuff didn't happen in a bubble. It mm -hmm. was very, very much, the more you read it, the more it's like the world you live in right now. Yeah. So um, uh, one <laughs> thing about, um, to speculate, you know, we can say this, if, if there is a right way of thinking back then, there still is a right way of thinking uh, now. That's right. and, uh, and of course, um, Paul has 2,000 years of credibility behind him now in the name of Christ. Yeah. So, and that's the big thing. So we, that's why speculate was such an important word. I it's get it. it's yeah. phenomenal. So, <laughs> yeah, I could keep going for hours and you would have to shut off the camera <laughs> and all that. <laughs> but, but let me just say, I'm going to switch gears very abruptly here and say, ask what's our second highlighted, second and final highlighted song for this week. We will. Swing you out on Well Done is the song. Um, okay. But let me leave you with this thought from Pope Paul VI. Mm -hmm. Of all human activities, man's listening to God is the supreme act of his reasoning and will. So until we see you next week. Something to think about. Be blessed. Thank yes. you. What will it be like? When my pain is gone And all the worries of this world just fade away What will it be like When you call my name And that moment when I see you face to face I'm waiting my whole life to hear you say Where? Well.